Lily. Uh, we lead a ministry called Healing to the Nations uh, Ministry. Apostolic and prophetic ministry, uh, and we travel every three weeks to uh, nations and cities. Uh, our ministry is mainly to do with nations and cities, uh, and every three weeks I'm in a different country and in a different city, uh, and God uses us uh, apostolically and prophetically to speak into cities and nations. Right? Um, that has been our ministry. We uh, we are in the ministry for the last uh, 25 years. <coughs> we live in Harold, just a few miles from here. Uh, Sorry, yeah, sure. It's a new one. It's a new one. It's a new one. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah, yeah, that's okay. It's working now. Good. Um, now, I did not know you existed here until, until a, few, a few weeks ago. I really did not know. Um, a few weeks ago, I uh, spoke to my wife, and we felt uh, that we must do some investigation locally, you know, what's happening. Because we have been completely lost locally for the last 20-odd uh, years. And when I looked on the internet, <coughs> I found your website. Um, and um, we came to uh, visit you on one Sunday, and Philip was not there. And I think I spoke to Dave. Um, and I, I liked what I saw, you know. I did, I really did. I have seen many, many things around the world and in many cities. But what I saw here uh, is, is something very, very, Strategic, I, I believe, it was closer to my heart. And uh, then the following uh, Monday or Tuesday, I came here uh, to the cafe. And there I met Philip. And while I was talking to him, um, I found out certain things. I mentioned certain things to him. And he said, where you are going <coughs> as a uh, church, as a group, um, what God is trying to do through you. And there was a collision took place, you know, in our thinking. And out of that, is, uh, Phil asked me to uh, come, and, come and speak to you. I was in India last week. <clears throat> we look after about six churches there and so many projects. And I was supposed to be in Lahore next week. And you know, you know what happened in Lahore. And I had to cancel the trip. Uh, I was supposed to leave on the 12th. Uh, and this, this is our schedule, you know. Uh, this has been our schedule for the last uh, 20 or years ago, right? Uh, so I want to share with you something prophetically, what I felt in my heart, uh, what God wants to, where God wants to take you through, right? Um, that's what I wanted to talk to you today, okay? Now, when I met Philip, I felt... I, I spoke to him about that, that you are in a, uh, in a place, in a crossroads, a transitional crossroads, right? That God is closing one season and he's going to open a new season, 
right? I think that's where you are today, right? That God is going to close one chapter of your uh, house or your lives and take you into a new chapter, right? Now, <clears throat> one of the things I read in your website is that um, you have a prophetical word given to you that you are an apostolic house, right? Now, that resonated within me. Um, an apostolic house, you know, and I, I mentioned this to uh, Philip. I said, I told him that you are not just an apostolic house, you are an apostolic center. Right? Now, I want to explain to you about that today and unpack to you something, right? Which, uh, what God wants to take you to the, uh, to the future, right? What he has in plan for you in the future. Um, so prayerfully uh, consider what I'm going to speak to you. Some of the things I'm going to tell you will challenge you. Some of the things I'm going to speak to you will, um, will make you think. Okay? Um, I don't have any notes. I just came with the Bible. Right? But uh, I assure you, I prepared in the spirit. I did. Right? What I'm going to speak to you today is everything is written in my heart. Right? That's prophetic. That's prophetic people are like that. Okay? Um, and, and I want to speak to you. I really came before the Lord and uh, sat before him right throughout uh, almost like two weeks for what I'm going to share with you today. Okay? Ready? Okay. Now, <laughs> now before I say anything, you must uh, know, right? See, early this morning, you got up and you washed yourself, you got ready and you came here, right? The only reason you came here is to meet with your God. That's the only reason. Right? You want to have an encounter with Jesus. Right? That's why you came here. And everything that you did here, you singing and worshipping and sharing the, in the table, everything is to do with having an encounter with Jesus. Right? Now, Jesus said in Matthew, I think, uh, chapter 18, verse 20, or the other way around, he said, if two or three come together, I will be there, right? So today, when we come together here, he's here. Now, he's not the God who created this uh, heaven and the earth and hold the stars and the moon in his hands, this all-powerful, almighty God. He doesn't come and sit at the back row, right? And leave the service five minutes before it finishes, right? And you can't... Uh, See his presence, you can't feel him, you can't feel his touch. If Jesus, what Jesus said is true, right? When two or three comes together in my name, there I will be, right? If that is true, this almighty God, this all-powerful God, omniscient, omnipresent, um, omnipotent God, if he's here with us, right, something has to happen. See, something has to happen. You can't come into his presence. You can't come into his authentic presence and live as the same as you can. You can't. It's impossible. It's, it's really impossible. If you come into his authentic presence, and if, if he's here with his manifested presence, right, then something has to change. Something has to happen. See, how many of you are here, fathers and mothers? How many of you are, right? Now, if your child comes running to you and call you Papa and Mama, do you just stand like that? No, right? So you will 
take the, carry the child in your hands, and your child can feel your touch, can feel your breath, right? Can smell you, right? So how much more if you can do that to your children? If you come to your God, the Father in heaven, and call him above Father, how much more he will carry you? He will take you into your hand. And you can feel his presence. You can feel his touch. See, that can happen here tonight. I mean, this morning, sorry. This morning it can happen. The only thing is that if you open your heart, you know, if you really open your heart and say, Lord, touch me, right? He will touch you. If he's here, that's his word. I'm not saying this. That is what Jesus said. I will not turn away anyone who comes to me, right? So if we can truly open ourselves. See, when we say our heart, open our hearts, right? The heart is not just the, what pumps the blood, okay? The heart is the core of your being, you know, your emotions, your mind, your feelings and your sense. You open that core of your being to him this morning and say, Lord, I want to meet with you. I want you to speak to me. I want you to touch me. And he will do it for you this morning. I'm telling you this, you know, because that is one of the promises God gave us when he called us out of our jobs and prepared us for ministry. One of the things I said, Lord, I'm not interested in anything. If you are calling me, we'll come with you all the way, right, on one condition, right? I said, every time I stand on behalf of you in front of your children, right, you have to manifest your presence. This is, you know, 25 years ago. And every service, every meeting I have taken, whether it's five people or 5,000 people, right, he has been faithful in every city and every, every nation. And this morning is no different. It's no different. Okay? No, that's not, uh, that's not, did it shift you a little bit? <laughs> okay. Yeah, God, our God is a shifting God. He's not a shifting sand, you know, but he's a God who shifts, you know. He shifts us because he wants to keep us at our toes in everything, right? Okay. Now, God is taking you into a season of expansion, right? You are in the natural, you are thinking of expanding this building, Right? You are naturally thinking of uh, expanding this way, expanding that way, right? In the natural. But God also wants to expand you spiritually. Right? Now, that is what I'm going to talk to you about, right? Now, <clears throat> so if he's, going to take, if he's going to take you into a season of enlargement and expansion, right? And if he's going to take you from one season into another season, right? You must understand what it means. You must understand how God works. Right? See, if you take from Genesis to Revelation, right, in the Bible, everything what God does, everything, he does it by seasons, times. Everything. Everything God does, he does it by seasons and he does it by times. Because God does not just get up one morning and say, ah, Today I will uh, look down on hope in Perivale, right? And let's try to do something. No, he does not work like that. He's a God who knows the end from the beginning. 
Right? He knows the end, and then he works towards that end. Right? So he has a plan for you. So when you say that um, Hope Community Church is an apostolic house, it's an apostolic center, however you call it, a house means, what does the house made up? The house is made up of you. If you are not here, there's no house. See, his house is not the building. The house is you. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And he lives in you. right? So when you are talking of an apostolic house or an apostolic center, we are talking about ourselves. We are talking about you and we are talking about me. It's not just Philip alone or it's not Dave alone. It's all of you. This house is made up of every one of you, right? So, if every one of you makes this house, and if you believe what I'm telling you, that God works everything in seasons and times, right? I will ask you, what is the season you are in? What is the time you are in? If you don't know what is the season you are in, and what is the time you are in, you really don't know what God is trying to do through you. Because you can read in Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 2, is it? Where it says, everything, everything God does, he does it in seasons and times. You remember that uh, scripture? Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heaven. <laughs> There's a season for everything and there's a time for every activity under heaven. So what is the season of God for you today? Individually and as a house. And what is the time of God for you? It's very important. You should know this. And the seasons and times also comes with requirements. Right? So remember these three words. In everything that I'm going to talk to you, it's all hinges in these three words. Seasons, times, and requirements. See, even if you discern the season, and if you discern the time, if you don't know the requirement for the season and time, you miss it. See, this is what happened to the Jewish people. See, the Jewish people, uh, when Jesus was born, they were expecting their Messiah. You know, they were expecting a season that the Messiah will come and will deliver them from the Roman people and will set them free and establish the kingdom of God. They, you know, there was nothing wrong. It was purely scriptural, what they believed. <clears throat> they believed that that was the time for the coming of the Messiah. They did believe it. But when he came, they missed him completely. They missed it. See, now it's 2,016 years. They are still waiting for the next season. Because if you miss the season, there's no guarantee when that season will come again to you. Is that important? Okay. See, Israel is still waiting for their Messiah. See, what made them miss the Messiah is because they missed the requirements. See, they have their own understanding and their own thinking, right? 
But when the Messiah came, they did not really understand the requirements what Jesus was presenting to them. They did not. That's why Jesus said, you say this, but I say this. You know, you read the, um, the Matthew in, in, in the Sermon on the Mount, you know. He's again and again, Jesus saying, you say this, but I say this. See, they really did not know the requirements. They did. But the expectation was true. The expectation was biblical. On that one thing, they missed it. Right? And I, while I'm talking to you, I, I, I assure you, the Spirit will touch you. And I can see it. He's already doing it. The Spirit will speak to you because this is not just for the whole house. This is for you too, individually. Just be open, right? Okay? Now, see, the seasons and times, I want to show you biblically, you know, that this is the pattern God set, and then we'll come to the requirements, okay? Um, Genesis chapter 1. See, right from the beginning, in Genesis chapter 1, from verse 1, God set this up, right? We read, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Right Now, at the beginning we read that everything was formless and empty and everything was dark. There was nothing existed, right? In, in some sense, physically, right? And the Holy Spirit was hovering. Hovering means expecting something to happen. And then... In verse 3, and God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. So if I ask you, what did God create first? What will you tell me? Huh? Light? Okay, most of you will tell me light. Now read that verse again, right? And God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. See, God created time. By bringing light into existence, what God made was time. He made the first day. A day means time. Because you know why he has to do it? Because he's a God who knows the end from the beginning. So he was beginning something to achieve an end. For that, he needs a calendar. <coughs> See, when he <laughs> created a day, he created a calendar. And you can read that in the rest of the book of Genesis, you know. The one day becomes seven days, right? And in verse 14, we read, And God said, Let there be lights in the expanse of the sky to separate the day from the night, and let them serve as signs to mark seasons, days, and years. You see, that's his calendar. 
He set this calendar. He has to set this calendar. Because otherwise, <laughs> because God, he's a God of plan. He's a God of purpose. He does everything according to a plan, according to a calendar. That's why we read in the Bible many, many times, at the appointed time, something happened. At the appointed time, the angel came to Mary. We again and again, we read that. At the appointed time, God will do this, 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 this. Because he works, he works to a plan. He works to a calendar. So for you, today, you have to know what, where you stand in this calendar. See, you can read further in, in, in Genesis. You know, he sets the seasons and times. You know, um, six days he created and seven days he rested. And he gives the Jewish people, you know, his people a calendar when he brought them out of Egypt. He told them, work for six days. On the seventh day, rest. Work for six years. And rest on the seventh year. Then do that seven times. And the 49th year is a rest year. And the 50th year is a year of jubilee. This is the calendar. He gave them a calendar. Why did he give them the calendar? Because that's the way he works. And he told them that in these, these, these days, in these, these, these years, in the Jubilee, what you should do and what I will do. He told all that. You know why? Because he wanted to bring them to the fulfillment of his purpose. See, he has not changed how he deals with people. He deals with you the same way. See, we read in the <coughs> Old Testament... He created a people for him, of course, to bring Jesus and to reconcile his creation um, back to him. For them to be a royal priest, a holy nation, right? That was their calling. That's the same calling we carry. The same calling. We read, we, we read what you read in Exodus where he says you know, to his people that you are a holy nation. You are separated for me, for a purpose. You are separated for me, for a reason. He did not separate them for, for nothing. He wanted them to be the salt and the light to the nations. And in Jesus, it was fulfilled. And we carry the same DNA now. A holy nation, a royal priesthood, you know. To witness for him, to show him to the world. So whatever season we are in, right, the, the DNA is the same. The purpose is the same. But the requirements to fulfill for what God wants to do through us is the important thing, you know. Most of the church, 95% of the church, I can tell you, in my travels around the world, does not know. And they miss the season and they miss the time because they don't recognize the requirements. They don't. Now, if you, you can go around the church on a Sunday morning in, in the whole of England, you can ask them, you know, what is the season, what is the time in God's uh, purpose you are in, and what is the requirement, you, I don't think you will get an answer. Right? But, you know, you are different. That's what I saw. 
That's why God has given me this opportunity to talk to you about this. Right? Because God is bringing you into a season, right? For you to be operational in a completely a different mode, different level. Because already the things what you are doing are the things closer to God's heart. The things you are doing already priorities of God. Taking care of the poor, taking care of the needy. These are the priorities. See, I, when I met Philip, I, the first thing I told him, Philip, you should have a food bank here. You know, I, I, didn't, I did not know anything. I told Philip, God has been putting us uh, this food bank, food bank. What about a food bank here, you know? Then he took me around and said, in the new plan, in your new season, where the food bank is going to be. Because I'll tell you the priority of Jesus. Hallelujah. You know the priority of the priority of Jesus, right? Come on. See this this if you you can read in the Gospel of Luke, you know, this uh, um, teacher of the law, you know, expert. He says expert in the law. Comes to Jesus and to test him and ask him, What must I do to be saved? If you may remember that story, you can read it in the scriptures. What must I do to be saved? So Jesus asked him two questions. He does not answer him. He asked him two questions. He says, what is written in the scriptures, number one. Number two, how do you read it? <laughs> Very interesting thing. Remember this because I'm going to come into the requirements, right? How do you, what do you read in the scriptures? And how do you read it? And then he answers, love God and love your neighbor. Jesus says correctly. Then he wants to justify himself. <coughs> because for him, salvation is by <coughs> keeping the law spotlessly. You know? So he was a Pharisee or a Sadducee, I don't know. He's expert in the law. Must be faultless. So he wants to justify his salvation to Jesus. You know? And Jesus tells him the story of Good Samaritan. Remember, the story of Good Samaritan was told as a result to a question about salvation. It is not the reason for the salvation. No. If we are truly saved, if we are truly the children of Abraham, if we are truly the followers of Christ, then the outworking of your salvation right, has to produce something. Right? And if you look at Matthew, is it Matthew 28 or 26, where God talks about, Jesus tells about the sheep and the goats. 25. When he comes, right, out of anything he could ask, he separates the sheep and goats, the people, the nations, and he asks the questions he asks. He does not ask how many missions you did or how many um, trips uh, you did or how many times you went to church, what you did in the church, what Sunday school you did. No. He said, I was hungry. Did you feed me? I was naked. Did you clothe me? See, those were the priorities of Jesus. So if Jesus comes now, today, that's what he will ask us. This is the new season God is taking you into. See, you will carry his priorities. Because you are doing so many things <coughs> which are his priorities. You are. You are going on missions. You are going to 
India, you are going to Kenya, to all these places, and you are carrying, you know, I see this mission box. I saw the notice what you, uh, Philip sent, <clears throat> what you want to carry for these children in this poor country. It's powerful, you know. But there is a requirement you need for the new season. There is, on top of all. All what you are doing is good. Right? They are the priorities of Jesus. Right? But <clears throat> you need one more thing which God wants to add to you in this new season. You step into that. Right? You step into that. And you open yourself and you step into that and you open yourself to this requirement, right? you will bring down heaven. And the earth will touch heaven. When the earth touch heaven, that's when miracles takes place. That's when God's power comes down. See, I was, I'm following up from what uh, Philip uh, spoke la last Sunday, really. What I'm talking to you, I mean, one of the best expositions I heard about resurrection when Philip uh, taught last Sunday. Now, what is after that? <laughs> I asked myself. I was seated at the back. I said, yes, Lord, you have saved me. You know, this is all going to come through for me, you know. But you have allowed me to stay here. So what? For what? So you have to ask yourself, right? <coughs> Why God has <coughs> given you all this, put all this in your heart, all this, his priorities you carry, right? See, I had a plan <coughs> long, long time ago when God called us in 1992. What, you know, I wanted to have something in London, right? Okay? And, but God took us on a different tangent, you know, and uh, prepared us and used us in a different way. But when I saw you, right, your cafe and all what you are doing, that's almost came 90% close to what I carried in my heart. Really. So what I'm talking to you is not just a theory, but it is coming out of a passion I have in my heart. And when um, Philip was teaching yesterday, uh, last Sunday, <clears throat> and when he was asking the Lord, Lord, okay, what is this? What is the next season? What is the requirement? What is one foundational requirement? And the Lord spoke to me something. I almost got up last Sunday. <laughs> I almost got up. I wanted to say that, you know, but I wasn't sure, you know, your protocols, you know. <laughs> so I was tired, you know. I, I, I was really was not sure. <coughs> this, is, this is it, right? <clears throat> this is the foundational requirement for what God wants to do to you, through you in the new season, right? And everything else will come out of this. You remember the story, the temple entry when Jesus went into Jerusalem, Right? And he told uh, in Luke 
chapter 19, we read from verse 30. Okay? Jesus is speaking. He's, he's telling to his disciples, Go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying? Tell him, the Lord needs it. And I, when I sensed that scripture last Sunday, and immediately I felt in the new season, for you to be operational in full capacity, you have to untie yourselves of some things. See, this might have been because some, I don't know, maybe because of the path you have come in the past to, to this place, right? You have to untie yourself in the spirit and in the word. If you tie yourselves too much in these two areas, you will miss it, what God wants to do through you. Can you remember what Jesus said to the Samaritan woman? There will be a time, true worshippers, you know, we, we were talking a lot about worship today, you know. True worshippers will worship me in spirit and truth. True worshippers. That means there will be many, many worshippers. <coughs> but there will be a difference between the true worshippers and just being a worshipper. Now I want to show you very quickly, right, how Paul was untied, you know. See, why Jesus wanted the colt to be untied? Because the Lord had a need for it. That's the purpose of untying. That's the purpose of loosening it. Because the Lord had a need for it. Something is happening to you, sister, while I'm talking. I can see the Holy Spirit on your face. I know something is happening. Just be open to him. Let him touch you and do what he wants to do. Right? Maybe he wants to take you into a new season. You know, He wants to take you into... <coughs> The season where he wants you to walk in the fullness of what he has for you, you know. Amen? Okay. Now, I want to show you very quickly something about Paul. How God uh, untied Paul. Now, we go back to Acts <coughs> chapter 17 and verse from verse 24, right? Now, Paul is in Athens, right? He's on a trip. And he has visited uh, different different cities, Thessalonica, uh, Berera, and he comes to Athens, right? And he goes to the Areopagus, right? And he gives to the philosophers in Areopagus one of his best exposition. If you read from verse 24 <coughs> to verse 31, that's one of Paul's very best Eloquent expositions. Right? But nothing happens in Athens. Really nothing happens. He couldn't even plant a church in Athens. 
But there he, he speaks, you know, the God who made the world and everything in it, the Lord of heavens and earth, and does not live in temples built by hands, and he is not served by human hands as if needed anything, because he himself gives all men life and breath and everything else. From one man he made every nation of men, that they should inhabit the whole earth, and he determined the times set for them <coughs> and exact places <coughs> where they should live. God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out to him and find him. Though he is not far from each, each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own prophets have said, we are his offspring. Therefore, since we are God's offspring... We should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image made by man's design and skill. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance. But now, he commands all people everywhere to repent. For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to all men by raising him from the dead. It's a powerful <laughs> exposition. He's, speak, he's not just speaking to anyone. He's speaking to the most educated philosophers of that time in Athens. And then we read, you know, a few, a few received him. Then in, in 18, chapter 18, verse 1, we read, after this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. How many of you have been to Greece, Athens? Okay. Now, if you know Athens and Corinth, right? Today, Athens to Corinth is only one hour drive. Really, it's one hour drive, right? So in Paul's time, <coughs> maybe Paul might have taken maximum, maybe half a day to move from Athens to Corinth, right? Now, he gave... Uh, most eloquent, educated disposition or exposition of the gospel. Now, half a day later, right? Even if you think one day, you know, that's, that's too much really, one day. Half a day or one day, he goes to Corinth. And now, come with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 2 <coughs> from verse 1. And Paul is writing this to the Corinthian church. And he says this. When I came to you, brothers, I did not come with eloquence or superior wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. What? See, he's telling this to the Corinthians. For I received to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness and fear and with much trembling. What has happened to Paul between Athens and Corinth? Come on. Something has changed. Something has changed. Something has been untied from Paul's ministry. He says that my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, 
but with the demonstration of the Spirit's power. So that your faith might not rest in man's wisdom, but on God's power. The requirement for your new season is God's power. We read in the, gospel, in, in, in the books uh, what Paul wrote, the kingdom is not just words, but power. See, this is where God spoke to me last Sunday when Philip was teaching about resurrection, right? The Lord spoke to me about the new season. Listen to me this. This new season is a season you walk in the resurrection power of Jesus. And the resurrection power is not just words. It's a demonstration of the kingdom. Man, you know, this is, this is your call. This is your new season. If you can really have a glimpse into what I can see, what God has for you. See, we, Philip sent an uh, uh, email, I think, yesterday about Martha and Mary, right? That theory and practice, right? And then he made a statement there. Jesus did and spoke, right? Now, you read that in the gospel. Jesus did not just speak. Jesus demonstrated what he said. See, today we were talking about he's a consuming fire, right? We sang, right? You really know what consuming fire is? If you have been to India, you will see, you know, they, they, in these temples, they walk on these coals, you know, fire, coals of fire. <coughs> consuming fire. Isaiah had a glimpse of consuming fire. Right? Then we are talking about worship, right? We are talking about worship. Do you know what worship is? What is worship? Why do you come on Sunday to hear? If I ask you that question, what will you tell me? Most of you will tell me we come to worship God, right? Yeah? Right? I'm going to show you something, right? Okay? You don't stone me, right? Do you stone prophets here? <laughs> okay? I'm going to show you something, right? I mean, it's making you think what I'm saying? Right? Making you think? Okay. With this, I'll close, okay? And I'll pray for you. Uh, Romans chapter 12. <clears throat> then I'll tell you why you come here on Sundays, right? Okay. <laughs> Romans chapter 12, right? Verse 1. There, okay. This requirement, right? Loosening um, for Paul, what happened is in his mind. Because Paul was the theologian, you know? He was educated in all the wisdom of a Pharisee. He's the, one of the most clever men. But Jesus, on his way from Athens to Corinth, dismantled his mind. And that's why Paul says, I consider everything lost for Christ. All his wisdom. And, you know, he talks about, I'm a Pharisee of Pharisees. I was educated under Gamaliel, you know. And now I consider everything <coughs> lost <coughs> so that I may gain Christ and I may know Philippines, right? 
in the book of Philippians. So that I may know Christ crucified, right? And the power of his resurrection. See, it happened between Athens and Corinth in half a day. Maybe less than that. Okay? Now, that dismantling took place in his mind. Now Paul is saying to the Corinthians, look here, I came to you trembling. Where did he tremble? Why did he tremble? In that short distance when he went from Athens to Corinth. See, I think, I think that he, he faced the consuming fire of God. You know, he, he did. He really did. And he feared for his life. <clears throat> and if you really read Paul's ministry after that incident, it was completely changed. You know, from that time onwards, Paul entered into a new season, you know. He went to Jerusalem, he went to Rome, he was in front of kings and he was in front of rulers, you know. No one could touch him. He was in completely on a different plane from that moment. He, he still preached. <laughs> he still taught. He still argued his cases, you know. But he was moving on a different level. That level came through him knowing the resurrection power. Now, this happened through Paul's God unloosening, untying Paul's mind. Therefore, I urge you, 12 verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in the view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Hello? Right? <coughs> Do not confirm any longer to the pattern of this world, but by transformed by the renewal of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. God's good, pleasing, and perfect will. The transformation of your mind. Everything starts here. Everything starts here. In us. Everything starts here. If God wants us to bring us into a season where we truly become an agent of transformation. Right? Not on just a few trips, but here, this, this is Perryville or Greenford? Both. Huh? Both, okay. So in your, re, in your, in your community, true transformation. <coughs> Lives, you know, the, the, the estate you have in the front. And the community. And the enlargement of all what God has for you. First, he has to transform your mind. He has to untie your mind. Now, we read that <clears throat> to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is the spiritual act of worship, right? Now, <coughs> bodies means <coughs> your body. What is your body? Your body has a mind. It has an eye. It has ears. It has a mouth. It has hands. It has feet, right? So every part of your body, what does, let it be a living sacrifice. A living sacrifice. See, most of us, we say, we want to die for Christ. You know? I used to say at the beginning when the Lord called, Lord, I want to die for you. I want to die for you. you know? So the Lord asked me one day, why don't you for a change live for me? <laughs> he did. <laughs> he changed, you know, he changed 
my complete perception. He said, you know, you dead, no good for me. <laughs> so, you know, so if, if I want to be a living sacrifice for the Lord, right, let everything I think in my mind, right, everything my eyes see, everything my ears hear, everything which comes out of my mouth, everything that my hands produce. Hello? Everything where my feet takes, let it be a living sacrifice to him. A living sacrifice. Everything. Not just one day, every day. See, we, we saw, uh, oh, we sang, consume, he's a consuming fire, right? You know, consuming, his consuming fire does not come everywhere. It does come only on altars. God's consuming fire, his authentic fire, falls only on altars. So if he's saying that our lives, everything that we do, has to be a living sacrifice, right? For a sacrifice, you need an altar. Right? See, every day of your life and my life has to be an altar unto the Lord. And on that altar... You place everything, what you think, what you see, what you hear, what you speak, what you produce. Everything you lay it at the altar. So every day of your life is an altar unto the Lord. You do that Monday to Saturdays. And Sunday, that's the act of worship, right? You take all that, you gather all that worship of that week and you come together to offer your worship as a sacrifice unto God. That's why you come on Sunday together. If you don't worship him Monday to Saturday, you can't worship him on Sunday. It's true. You come to church, no, church means it's you. You come as a community. You take your worship from Monday to Saturday and together with your brothers and sisters, you offer it to him as a living sacrifice. I'll tell you, you come to that stage, it's powerful. It's powerful. You don't even have to ask him. His fire will come now. That is the season God is taking you into. Every one of you. That's the season. The requirement, he's looking for true worshippers. True worshippers. You want to go into this season? Because Jesus said, you know, before you build a tower, sit down and work out. Otherwise, you'll go in and then, oh my God, it's too, it's too hot. Let's come out. You know, it might be too late. Because I know Daphne and Philip and you know what I see, you carry God's heart. You do. You really do. See, I have been to uh, a few places here around London. I have been and I have seen what they carry. And you carry something very, very powerful. See, you are faithful people. There's faithfulness here. Faithfulness is big for God. It's huge. 
I'll tell you, our weaknesses, Jesus can handle our weaknesses. It's, you know, it's all his, what he has done on the cross, what he has provided for us through the Holy Spirit. That's more than sufficient to handle our, our weaknesses, right? But faithfulness is big for God. I'll tell you something, the anointing and the power and the presence is all God's, right? But the character is yours and mine. You have character. You do. You really do. I have seen that. You really do character of faithfulness. Character is ours. Character, we have to work at it. We have to. And God wants to take you into this new season. I want, I want to speak so much, but I think time, time is running out. <laughs> But I have given you just a taste of what God has for you, you know. And if you really open yourself, you know, you will really see what he wants to do. And I'll tell you, there will be also a price. <coughs> it won't be everything will be a bed of roses. Everything will be all nice. But I'll tell you, you will have his manifested presence among your midst. People will come asking, what's happening here? We want to see the, the true presence of God. We want to see the authentic presence of God. I'll tell you, the world is crying out for authenticity about Jesus. And he wants to bring that through you. God will enlarge the nations. I don't know how many nations you go into. I told Philip that we have, uh, you can come, you can do a trip uh, to India. If you want to, uh, in the north and in the south, if you want to go into that area, I think God will expand you into many, many nations. He will. See, two years ago, God took me, uh, three years ago, into Russia, right into the heart of Russia. It came just out of the blue. I was sitting in some meeting somewhere at the back row, you know, and there was something, <laughs> someone uh, ministering. And at the end of the service, she just looked at me and said, you, want, you, you have to go to Russia. <laughs> she didn't even know who I was, you know. She didn't have a clue. I said, you have to go to Russia. And within a month, I was in Russia. I was in two cities, you know. Two cities where they make missiles. The first one was a city called Samara, which is the Stalin's capital during World War II. It was not in the map at that time. The second city was a city called Ijevsk. That's where they produced AK-47s, Kalashnikov. Right? The, the, the biggest killing weapon in the world. And there, right in the middle, right, God released the season for them. The church grew six times in six weeks, six, in six months. From 100 to over 800. Amazing. Amazing. Right? And the Kalashnikov business complex called these people and gave them one floor for 24 hours, seven days a week for their church. Fourth floor, right? The third floor is KGB. <laughs> it's true. What I'm telling you is true. <laughs> and the uh, fifth floor is tax office of, of Udmuthia. Right? In between... 
these people were sandwiched, you know, and they heard everything what we spoke, everything what we did, they heard. God can do it. I have seen this. Why not through you? <laughs> the only thing is we have to fulfill the requirements. That's all. See, everything else, God does it. See, when we yield to him, he does it, right? Bible says, with him, huh, all things are possible, right? With him. You and me, with him. <laughs> with him who? You and me, with him. Right? This is the new season God wants to bring you into, right? And expand you. And, and personally, I think, <clears throat> this is corporately, as a ministry, when I saw hope, right? When I saw hope, H-O-P-E, you know, immediately what I thought, Holy Spirit, <laughs> Holy Spirit, right? Hope, Holy Spirit encounters. Holy Spirit power encounters or something like that. That's, that's you know, so be open to yourselves. Open to yourself. Open yourself to the changes what God wants to <coughs> make. The adjustments God wants to make. See, for Paul, God did a huge adjustment. Right? Now, you can look at this, this pattern, when the Lord prepared Esther, when the Lord prepared Ruth, when the Lord prepared his disciples, even when God sent his son, Jesus, you know, the requirement for him to walk down this earth, right, to fulfill his purposes was completely different. He has to lay down all his majesty and all his, what he could have done, you know, because the, the requirements were different for that call. This is the season. You can't walk in a new season like you are walking now. You can't. It's impossible. See, when uh, the Lord brought the Jewish people or the Hebrews out of Egypt, right? He brought them out of Egypt and he took them through 40 years and prepared them. They came to the banks of the river Jordan. What did, what did God ask Joshua to do? What did he say to Joshua? Huh? Huh? Consecrate yourselves. For tomorrow, I'm going to do something special. Right? They are going to cross over the Jordan and enter into the promised land. Right? The operational requirements in the promised land is completely different from where they have come from. The Bible says that when they entered, the manna and quail stopped. And then they had to work hard for the produce of the promised land. I truly believe that you are on the verge of your promised land. Truly, you are. And you are going to enter into a season which you have not walked before. You have not. So the operational requirements, you will only see when you start walking into the promised land. In the promised land is where Israel fought the biggest battles. <coughs> and that's where they won the biggest victories as well. <coughs> that's where, once they entered into the promised land, that's where they really came to know who their God is. See, before that, everything was given to them, right? 
Everything fell from heaven, right? That stopped when they went into the promised land because the operational requirements are different. They can't operate in the promised land exactly like how they came from in the desert. I think God is leading you into your promised land. I think this is for individuals as well. I think there are many here that you have waited so long for the word I have delivered to you this morning. And you understand today something which you never understood before. And corporately, right, when you are as a house, when individually you walk into your destinies, right, as a house, you will walk into the destiny of God. Did you know that we are talking about worship, right? Do you know that your DNA make music? Did you know that? You're going to go home and type in the Google DNA music. It's true. Your DNA makes music. It makes sound. And in the Google they are put, you know. <coughs> that is why the Bible says everything that has breath that is Praise the Lord. Oh, in, 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 yeah, and sing to the Lord. Everything which has breath sings to the Lord. <coughs> it's in your DNA. God's destiny is in your DNA. That you, are, you have been created and you have been <coughs> made to worship him. The only thing is the true worship. <laughs> it's not standing here and singing songs. That's an expression of your worship. Right? That's an expression of your life of worship. Right? So I pray <coughs> that uh, God will take you by hand and lead you into this season of uh, true worship. Philip, how much more time I have, or is it finished? Or? Huh? You have done it. Okay. And I think that there's something very drastically changed in your life. You mark my word. Right? Write what I'm saying to you, you will have a testimony. Right? And there are many here, things are going to change in your lives. Right? I think there's something stirred inside you too, right? Okay. Because, you know, the, I'm not just speak, speaking empty words. See, I don't have any notes. You know? But God wrote this in my heart for you. He did. Right? And you are going to move into a time and the season where you are going to walk in the resurrection power of Christ. Right? You will be walking and you will be doing things and people will come to see what's different with, what's different with you. I was working for a time <coughs> in Northwick Park <coughs> you know, a few years ago. And people used to come to me and say, why are you smiling? <laughs> I'm smiling all the time. What, what, why are you smiling? You know, they say, what's wrong with you? I said, nothing wrong with me. I'm just happy. What is there to be happy, you know, working at Northwick Park, you know? I said, well, I'm happy, right? Sometimes you tell them about Jesus, sometimes you don't. You know, you have to be careful in Northwick Park. They sack you, you know, if you don't talk about Jesus. <laughs> but God gives you a bold, boldness, you know? But I have, you know, we are experienced. I'm sure some of you have, uh, <clears throat> can identify it, you know? Sometimes people behave for no reason you see an opposition, you know. I was in a bus one day, a long time ago, and I sat in a seat, 
And this man got suddenly angry and walked out, you know, walked out of the seat. My God, I was dressed nicely and you know, I looked very, I, I looked quite decent, you know. So I did not scare him or anything like that. But, you know, I could see that it's spiritual, you know. Okay. Let me pray for you. Let's stand up. <coughs> if you want to stand, you can stand. If you want to sit, you can sit. Lord, I pray. Yeah purposes and your plan for this new season, Lord, over this house. I pray that the true power, the resurrection power of God, Lord, that you release to your children here, Lord. That even while I'm praying, Lord, that you reach them, you reach out your hands and touch them, Lord, with your power and your presence. Let your manifested presence be upon their lives, Lord. That you take them, Lord, and use them as Catalysts and agents of change, agents of transformation, Lord, wherever you have placed them, in the schools, in their communities, Lord, in their missions, in everything what they do. Let this cafe here, Lord, let it be a cafe, an agent of transformation, Lord. Everything what happens here, Lord, I pray, Master, that you stretch your hand and let your anointing be placed upon these, these activities that you have placed here, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that you give them strength. You give them wisdom to truly walk in this new season, Lord. That they shall not only enter the promised land, but they shall eat the fruit of that land. And they shall receive everything, Lord, what we have purpose and plan for their lives. So, Lord, I speak those blessings upon them. And, Father, I pray the Abrahamic blessing upon them, Lord that they shall be blessed, and through them, Lord, many, many people and many, many nations will be blessed. And Father, let this place, let this uh, house, Lord, let this center be uh, a birthing center, Lord. Let it be a manger. Let it be like how your child was, um, your son was birthed. Lord, let many, many kingdom purposes be inaugurated and be birthed from this manger in Jesus' name. Father, I pray that they will be true worshippers, Lord. That they will truly worship you in spirit and truth. And in everything, Lord, I pray that you reach out and you touch them and you bless them in everything that they do. I pray, Lord, that you prosper the work of their hands. That you hold them, Lord, in the palm of your hands. That you provide for them, that you protect them, and you preserve them in everything that they do for you, Lord. And let them truly be salt and light in everything but you have called them. In Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord, and we bless you. We give you all the glory. We give you all the honor and praise. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you very much. That was wonderful. It's good to know that we can be catalysts of change. And there is a time for every purpose under heaven. But I must admit, there is one thing that I did forget, to welcome those who are with us for the very first time. Is there anyone here who's with us for the very first time? You're very welcome. God bless you. So let's go out. And let's change the world. God bless you.